You're listening to Cove Industry 19, a 19-episode podcast series focused on the outlook and actions of individuals in the hospitality industry affected by COVID-19. So just a reminder, in case you've forgotten between the first and second episode of Cove Industry 19, I'm your host, Amy Wolf, and the goal of this podcast is to really give our community a better understanding of what some of our treasured industries are going through and how to support them. I can remember my first day working as a front desk agent. I was terrified. The calls, the emails, the in-person requests, all to be tended to with a smile. But you know what? I loved it. I loved making someone's day or doing something personalized for them to remember their stay. The hotel community is one of grit and grind. We are a 24-hour business. We never close, with many actions that go unrecognized or thankless. I'm talking about the housekeepers and engineering and accounting and all the operations that go on behind the scene. March 16th. I remember being asked to attend a 9 a.m. meeting down the hall. We'd been in cancellation and postponement hell due to the virus, and silence of the phones eerily gave me the sense of what was to come. I sat down. As I was informed, I was being laid off permanently. There's just no business, we were told. Seven years. That's how long I devoted myself to this very company. Seven years of service, smiles, and relationships. I sat staring across the table at those that looked more emotional than I was feeling to be delivering the news. I didn't cry. I told myself to pick myself up, pack my things, and on to the next. A mentality that, with the state of the industry and the world, fluctuates on a day-to-day basis. Though, it's days like today and days I connect with those in this industry that I've worked so hard in, I'm reminded that others are struggling and stressed, and we're all in this together. It's no secret that the effects of COVID-19 were devastating for the hospitality industry. I sought the expertise of Rev Parblums, a popular Instagram account managed by Calvin out of New York. Okay, so my name is Calvin. Um the creator of Ref Problems, which is my main meme account for hospitality folks to um, get a laugh about our daily stresses. Uh, and we've recently started uh, Ref Park Growth, which kind of coincided with this whole um, situation that we're all in. But Ref Park Growth is, uh, is actually admin by my wife, who is a senior HR professional in hospitality industry as well. Um, and that's where you're going to get career and personal growth advice. Um, then right before this all started, I started RefPAR Travels to document um, all of our travels that we take. Um, I'm known for traveling a lot. I take a vacation pretty much once every three months, um, even if it's just a long weekend. So people have kind of always been asking about suggestions of where to go. That was the base behind that. Um, so we've got, we've got three accounts. Plus, uh, there's a website, uh, refproblems.com where um, I'm mostly blogging about uh, hotel stays and restaurant reviews and stuff like that. So it's kind of an extension of the travel page at this point. Rev Parblems has over 14,000 followers on Instagram. It's an account that any hotelier or those associated with hotels are familiar with. My coworkers and I would share its posts throughout the workday for comedic relief. I started out as um, a reservations manager at a Hilton 
uh, in Westchester County, where I live. Um, it's actually where I met my wife. We, we met at, at that hotel. Um, I was a res manager for about four years, which I always say is at least two years too long. That's way too long to be in a position like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at that point in my career, I didn't, um, I actually said to myself, I didn't want to do revenue because my dorm at that hotel was just miserable. You just always are stressed out and you just not just unhappy. Um, so of course you having nothing else to associate it to, you just kind of associate that with the job. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that at all. Um, so I left there I actually went into restaurants briefly and worked for Gordon Ramsay um, as also as a reservations manager, but managing the reservations team as well as hostess, which was 14, 15 hour days. So that didn't last long. Um, got back into hotels again in reservations. And this time I was paired up with somebody uh, who was a better teacher and just kind of had an overall better personality. And, she taught me a lot about revenue management. I realized, hey, this is something that I enjoy and uh, I think I have a bit of an aptitude for. Um, and as far as uh, ref problems, it really just started out in my second, my second role as a dorm. Um, I was just, you know, we get off of conference calls and I just make a meme about something that happened that day and send it to a few friends. And um, I realized I was pretty good at maintaining them consistently. Uh, so I then made a Facebook group, uh, which was just supposed to be for my company. So everybody could kind of post and we could all share, but it got to a point where I was the only one posting every single day. And I realized that I had a skill for it, that I could do it every day. Um, so it kind of became my group. And then the issue was because on Facebook, you post under your, your personal account. Um, everybody thought that the stuff I was posting was actually happening at my property, which <laughs> was a bit problematic. You know, I, I posted once about um, your analyst making a mistake of some sort, and she came into work that day and was like, what did I do, what did I do? And I was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, I saw your post. It's like, it's a joke. Are you, you're like, <laughs> I just made it up. When COVID-19 began threatening the hospitality industry, we saw lighthearted memes on red par blooms, then realistic ones on rev par growth. Yeah, and I feel like it also touched on actually how serious the situation was because when it first started, I think people were like, oh, it's not here yet. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think everybody goes through that cycle. You know, I, I did it as well. I mean, you know, early or late February, we were in when you started to hear everything in the media, I was in my stand-up meetings in the morning saying, hey, listen, guys, most people are not going to die from this. It's just like the flu. I'm down. And now I'm sitting here like, <laughs> I'm wearing gloves everywhere. I've washed my hands 80 times a day. You know, you're worried about everything you touch. So um, I think we all go through that cycle of, you know, I don't think anybody took it seriously day one when they heard about it. I know I didn't when I heard about it all the way in China. I'm like, well, it's not, it's not our problem. I didn't, nobody expected this. Anybody, I don't think too many people could have predicted it would have the impact that it's had.
If there's one thing the hospitality industry teaches you, it's people. By this point, anyone in the hospitality or service industry should probably be awarded a degree in psychology. But more importantly, it's the people you discover working in these industries that are bright and caring and never hesitate to share their natural sunshine with everyone. Tessa is one of those people. All right. My name is Tessa Peterson, um, and I work for the Hoxton Hotel here in Portland, and I'm the general manager. Prior to her position with the Hoxton, Tessa and I had previously worked together as she was the general manager at the boutique hotel that I was employed with. And can you share a brief history about yourself and how you ended up in the hospitality and hotel industry? Oh, man. Uh, well, I, my mom is in the service industry. She's a flight attendant for Delta and also worked in a hotel and got me my first hotel job. Um, and then from there, I've just done a variety of things from bartending, uh, working at the front desk. Um, so I took a job at a front desk here in Portland at another hotel and slowly moved my way up, uh, did some traveling, opening hotels for a few years. Um, and then I recently started working for Hoxton in December. One thing about you is, you know, like every position through and through, which is always yeah. impressive. It is. Um, I think critical to being good at your job. Her statement couldn't ring more true for me as I think back on my growth in the hospitality industry. The people I've met, the bosses I've had, the stories I tell. I think fondly of the times I would take my 30-minute lunch to visit my friend Sophie in housekeeping. She was always doing laundry, washing the sheets and towels. What happened today at the front desk? Is it crazy, she'd ask. I'd always dramatically roll my eyes and tell her, yes. As I moved into a sales manager role, I remember coming to the hotel for tours, walking clients through our lively property. Afterward, I'd pop down to see Sophie. It was like visiting an old childhood friend. Nothing changed. I'd even see housekeepers I'd previously worked with on their assigned floors and always feel welcomed, as if I hadn't left for an office down the street. It felt like home. My home. And my people. Similarly, Jackie, front of house at Haylove, feels the same about her staff. Uh, my name is Jackie Coe. I'm the front of house manager at Haylove, which is a tropically inspired jungle plant bar. Um, Haylove is my second family. Haylove is the lobby bar to the Jupiter Next Hotel, the sister property to the Jupiter Hotel, connected to the Doug Fur Lounge, a renowned music venue in Portland. Can you share a little bit about you um, and kind of how you got into the bar industry? Um, I've been working in the service industry since I was 16 years old. Um, so like a lot of people, it's just been a lifelong um, relationship with the service industry. Um, I never thought of it as being my full-time career. Um, I always worked um, in restaurants to be able to afford to go to school. Um, it took me <laughs> 10 years to get my bachelor's, so it's a slower program for sure. But if you don't have the money to pay for school, it's like the best way you can afford to do both. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I um, became the general manager of Jacqueline a couple years ago, and that kind of got my feet wet in management. And um, Hey Love has just been like finding my my people, and um, it's just such a special and unique place. Um, we really get to 
take care of guests the way that I've always wanted to, which is just being super genuine and, and honest and upfront about being a human and, you know, that warmth just exudes. So yeah, that, that to me, like Caleb is sort of the pinnacle of like the farthest reach of like what I've ever wanted in the service industry. Both Hoxton and Haylove brought passionate Portland service industry workers together. It hit hard for their leaders not being able to see staff that felt like family. Tessa arranged a way to stay connected with her employees and offer a weekly meal delivery service for continuous support. We're cooking meals and doing family meal once a week for them, and that's been really fun and therapeutic to like make a big vat of stew and drive it and drop it off on people's porches. Post a menu on Monday and then people can private. We use Workplace, which is like, it's part of Facebook. Um, So all of our employees that are furloughed, they aren't on their email, but they have access to Workplace. And so we can share like recipes that we're all cooking or there's a book club on there right now. We have a girl out of New York that's doing three days a week workout classes that you can log into. So people are doing really cool stuff. So we post a menu at the beginning of the week and then we deliver on Friday afternoons. And it's usually just like a soup of some sort because it's easy, homemade bread and then a dessert. Um, We are learning a TikTok dance right right now. Things like that, that have (laughs) kind of like kept it a little bit more lighthearted. We're also doing veggie starts. Then those will be ready. Someone, people can pick them up for their gardens, so... For Jackie, after the closure of Halev, the layoff formed a beautiful idea that came to fruition, a way for the general public to think of, search, and support specific individuals in the service industry. Let's talk about PDX tip jar, because it's something that you mentioned as soon as you guys shuttered, mm-hmm. you came up with it and you and your partner put this all together And again, in a matter, I mean, it was such a short amount of time for you to do something so great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, um, yeah, it was just like day after I found out and, and just sitting at home and like between like crying and just like furiously searching the internet for any sort of aid, um, like between that and the unemployment page was like, that's all I was doing. And Um, I had heard about like a virtual tip jar in other cities. So I just started researching that. um, And yeah, most of them, there was one in DC, um, in Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. And all three of them were just like really simple, like Google form attached to like a master Google sheet. And I figured I didn't see one for Portland when I searched and I just sat with it, sat with it, and it's like, okay, well, fuck it, I'm just gonna do this. <laughs> Luckily, my partner, Noah, is a web developer, so it's like, well, I can fall back on him if I need more help, which I did. <laughs> so what they can do is if they work in any business, it, in reality, it can be anything, any, yeah, um, and they input where they work and their information in a form of payment that can go directly to them, mm-hmm. which is amazing too because a lot of people might not do like cash app or venmo but they have paypal so i thought that was really great too the flexibility yeah yeah and just for people tipping also it's nice to have different options and then people can find specific people 
at their specific business that they've registered and tip directly to them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. A few posts from the PDX Tip Jar Instagram account that define our emotional attachment to the service industry. I pledge to tip for every drink I make at home because I really miss going out. I pledge to tip for every meal I wish someone else made. I pledge to tip for every cup of coffee I wish was a latte. This is, this is maybe not going to, this might not be a huge impact on someone's life, but it could be a really nice gesture in a really lonely, dark time. Mm -hmm. Five, ten bucks from a stranger just because, you know, yeah tell you on a site and um I think it's like being able to connect people that way has been really rewarding um my partner had gotten a really long really beautiful email from someone for tipping ten dollars and just how much of a difference that made to her and um yeah so it's worth it for that and I think normalizing I mean the same way we would tip in a in a bar or a restaurant or a coffee shop or your Uber driver or whatever, um, just normalizing that like little act of a small amount of money, um, I think yeah. is gonna make it more successful. And I was talking to a bar manager the other day and we were just talking about how you forget how much one person has an impact on you. So if you were going to a coffee shop every day and it's literally just that person asking how you are and they know your order, at this time, you're probably thinking, like, I hope that person is okay. Like, what can I do to make them know, like, one, I'm thinking of you. And in the same facet, like, I would be going here anyway. And I just want to let you know, like, I do miss you. So I love that part of it for sure. Yeah. 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 We definitely miss our regulars. <laughs> A message from Jackie and PDX Tip Jar that can be found at pdxtipjar.com. PDX Tip Jar is an opportunity to share a small act of kindness with our service industry community during these uncertain times. With a government mandate in effect as of Tuesday, March 17th, all bars and restaurants in the state of Oregon are required to close for the next four weeks, with the exception of takeout and delivery operations, which has put many folks out of work. The premise is simple. Tip a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, or whatever you'd like directly to a service industry worker. Tip someone at random or browse the full list to find your favorite spots. Again, this can be found at pdxtipjar.com. the future of the hospitality and service industries? There are many unknowns. For Tessa, she recalled another time the hospitality industry struggled amid the 2008 recession. My very first management position was during um, the recession in 2008-2009, and that was my first like department head position working as a front office manager, and the very first time I ever laid anybody off, and I think we laid off three people, and that felt drastic and I remember crying during each termination and being like this is the worst thing that's ever happened and I also remember getting to hire those people back a few few months later but um so in my mind that's what was going to happen I was going to lay off a couple people and it was going to blow over 
never my wildest dreams that I think the hotel was going to close. We talk all the time. We're like, hotels never close. We're never yeah. off. Yeah. I just think about my emails and I'm like, every day I was, you know, you know this, you're answering emails at crazy times of night. You're calling the front desk because something happened. And I just think like, I work in this business. This is why it's a 24 hour business. I signed up for it. And then, nope. Like it officially is it no longer that anymore. <laughs> I think too many hotel people were like, we just want to close for one day. And then the world was like, you got it, dude. I mean, I think that it's forever going to impact our business. How I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. I think it'll impact the way people travel for a long time. Um, I mean, when we look at just what it's going to look like when we reopen, I think we'll see less international travel, obviously. Um, and I, I do think we'll see some domestic travel and a lot of like drive-in, but I think it's going to take a long time for people to feel comfortable traveling again. Um, so I think that is a, is a huge thing, but then I think there's going to be changes just to the way we do business. I think about when we had to pare back services during the recession, certain positions never came back to hotels with the exception of like five-star properties, like doorman, concierges, they all kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I think when this comes out and all the hotels get back, we'll start to really see what what changes. For Calvin, admittedly, this is unknown territory for all of us in the hospitality industry. And coming back from it is going to be just as questionable as where we left off. And what are your just overall thoughts on COVID-19 and how it has affected the hotel and hospitality industry? Well, um, needless to say, it's, it's a disaster for, for business, you know. Um, I think pretty much across the board, most industries have taken a significant hit, but hospitality and travel, you know, I think is right at the top of that list because people are literally being forced to stay in their house and not go anywhere, mm -hmm. um, which is what we all thrive on. So from a business standpoint, it's, it's horrible for us. And, um, you know, the amount of, the amount of jobs that have been lost, um, it's its just scary. I mean, I've no one has seen anything like this, so it goes without saying that I've never witnessed anything like this. I mean, I'm forecasting 10% for this month, 6% next month, you know, and I mean, the, the numbers that you're, you, you find yourself reading, Last week in my revenue meeting, I'm reading the forecast. I'm like, yeah, 4.5% for April. And I had to stop reading it because it was like, am I actually saying this out loud? 4.5% for an entire month? That's a joke. What are some predictions that you have on the fate of hotels and the hospitality industry and just future business in general? I think, uh, I think the, the biggest thing is going to be now, um, this is going to be at the forefront of everyone's mind when they travel. You know, um, you know, my, my wife is someone who, when we get on the plane, she'll sanitize everything, right? And, you know, wipe down the handrails and, and the monitor and everything. And sometimes people look at you funny, like, oh, come on, it's not that. Nobody's going to be joking about that anymore. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> I think everybody's going to be very serious about, about that. Um, and I think as a trickle-down effect, obviously, when you're people are traveling now, they're going to want some level of assurance that the rooms have been cleaned properly. Um, so I think the operations and housekeeping teams are going to have to, um, that's 
that's going to be, I think, in my opinion, the, the big initial impact is how do we explain to people that we've taken every precaution to make sure that your room is sanitized and, and spotless. And I think similar to, you know, pre-COVID where sustainability was, was the big buzzword for a lot of travelers and a lot of companies. So, you know, what are you doing to reduce your carbon footprint? And, um, hey, if you don't, you know, if you want us to wash the towels, throw them on the floor, if not, we won't, you know, those type of things have been around for years since people have become more conscious of the environment. And I think this, we're going to have to implement similar um similar practices in the industry to kind of give people peace of mind when they travel. One thing I keep reminding myself, which is continually brought up in these interviews, is that this will be over at some point. We can only reflect and act in the present. Small acts of kindness go a very long way. And no matter how dramatically different, we can make sure we come out the other side with a better outlook than when we entered it. But then also just to remember, like, this is, it's, nothing is forever. So, Mm -hmm. um, and trying to look at the good stuff that's going to come out of this, you know, like I, outside of work, I'm a plan canceler, like most people are, and Mm -hmm. I'm never going to cancel on anybody ever again. Yes. You never know when you're going to get to go out to brunch again. Yeah. I I bet a bunch of people are thinking, if I had known that was my last time at a restaurant or at a bar, I would have lived it up. Yes. With the people that I like. Yes. I feel that so hard. Like, there's so many things I wish I would have just followed through on instead of staying home to watch Netflix. Because now it's like, I've already watched that on Netflix. If you have questions, feedback, or would like to be featured on an episode of Cove Industry 19, please email us at coveindustry19 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we can't wait to see you again when you tune in next week for episode three.